the, the way I look at things is retention is the kind of bolt on to the business. It's it's not the kind of rocket ship that's going to drive growth. Yes, it can make what you're doing you know more profitable. It can drive more sales. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird response. But I think the first thing is is make sure that you have acquisition dialed in or a clear roadmap to that. It's all about personalization. So following up with people based on where they are in the funnel, right? And sending campaigns to those segments that are specific to them. So you're sending, you know, to the top of funnel traffic, you're sending more kind of engagements focused stuff. And then towards the bottom of the funnel, you're focused more on conversions. Step one is, is analyzing the business and the audience. Step two is is then testing. So it, it's always the answer that everyone doesn't like to hear, but how you're going to get the best results is is testing everything. So we would start out, typically most of our stuff is 80% branded, 20% kind of more copy focused. So on today's episode, you're going to find out why top brands swear by this four-part retention formula, which is email, SMS, loyalty programs, and direct mail. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. And um, on today's episode, we are going to be covering email marketing and customer retention. I'm joined with by um, a, a gentleman called Jordan Doherty. He is um, essentially he essentially runs an email marketing agency that serves e-commerce um, you know merchants. And um, we talk about email marketing, lead magnets, personalization and segmentation, partnerships and influencer collaborations, importance of testing, how to hire an email marketing agency, tech stack recommendations, loyalty programs. He has like a retention stack. Um, which which I found interesting, um, and and we also talk about SMS marketing, his take on SMS marketing, and and a lot. So, is a is a big 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 email marketing refresher for um, you know those of you that want to just get the fundamentals of email marketing just dialed in. It's always good to refresh your memory. Jordan was an was an exciting guest. I I loved his backstory from investment banking. Um, great episode. Fun- He's a fellow Brit um, who's now living in Dubai. Um, what more can I say? But you have to enjoy <laughs> this episode. Um, stay tuned to, to to our sponsors. Afterwards, um, we'll just kick off and I shall catch you on the other side. Cheers. Hey, Jordan. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce. Pleasure to have you Um and I heard really, really interesting things from you from a mutual friend of ours. And yeah, um, really, really looking forward to to this conversation. Me too. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so, where should we start? Where Where are you calling in from? Um, so I'm currently in Dubai. So lived in London my whole life. Went traveling a few years ago, um, and now called Dubai home called Dubai home uh, and um how long have you been in Dubai for uh just under a year at this point oh wow wow, wow. whereabouts in Dubai do you, do you live um close to the palm so off okay. of the main kind of tourist area probably five minutes away from there trying to avoid the, the kind of hubbub interesting interesting and, and and how do you I, I assume your 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 um your your email your, your email marketing agency um, which which is um, called OHM is global. How do yeah. you sort of is is Dubai a perfect location for 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 for, for, for managing you know um, global clients? Um, to be honest, I, I'd say probably one of the best things about London is the time zone. So annoyingly, we are three hours ahead of the UK now, um, which means that I have to work a lot later. So we are global. We have clients in the US. And also Australia and London is is you know the center of the world in in more ways than one. So I, I'd say actually London is better than Dubai for managing it. But yeah, certainly you know apart from the odd late evening, um, it, it's all good here. And there's there's a lot of other benefits to having the business here, not just the time zone. 
Yeah, and, and then how's the community out there, the, the, the commerce, e-commerce and retail you know, community? It's really good. Um, so one of the reasons why I, I moved here is I don't want to say the, the networking opportunities because I think that's a bit cliche, but the, the number of people out here that are kind of you know, leaving Europe, um, especially a lot of young guys um, and, and girls kind of making money in the digital world, there's a lot of people here. So yes, e-commerce people, agency people, um, info product people as well. And those are the kind of three main sectors that that I kind of work with. So yeah, super good from a, a kind of community and that kind of aspect. Super interesting, super interesting. Let's let's go back to to to, to, to your London days. Um, you yeah. started out in investment banking and, and then you moved into e-commerce. You want to paint that. That, that transition and 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 why you know you you, you go into investment banking and try made that transition to, to to e-commerce yeah um so my parents both ran their own businesses um and i think you know growing up in that kind of environment that sticks with you um so i knew from a very young age that i kind of wanted to work for myself i think the freedom is a big aspect um but also like taking pride in building something that is your own that was always the goal, but I think you know, when you're in the traditional education system, it's kind of hard to pursue that dream because you're almost on a kind of conveyor belt to university. You know, do your GCSEs, do your A levels, go and get a grad job, kind of thing. Um, so I went down that route for that reason, but I think also as well, at the age of you know 18 or, or 21, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I think the plan was always to go into finance work there for a few years, build a skill set, and then, yeah, kind of hope you have, you know, some amazing idea and, and kind of transition out. But yeah, for me, pretty quickly, I, I kind of started working on my own ventures kind of on the side. Um, and then once I got to a certain level, I kind of, yeah, left the industry to pursue those full time. And, and how did you make make the transition? I read somewhere you 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 um, you essentially were moonlighting and you, you did you build an e-commerce brand yourself? Yeah, so I, I'd uh, been trying for a few years, like, you know, with friends and solo, I'd been trying kind of to set up my own e-commerce businesses, essentially. Um, and then, yeah, essentially one kind of, I don't want to say took off, it, it, it never scaled to the heights that I would have liked, but it, it earned a sufficient income that, yeah, I could kind of replace the day job, as it were. So what kind of feedback did that give you to sort of take things to another level? Um, well, I think e-commerce is great because it's so varied. So the skill set that you kind of build up is very useful for a lot of businesses. So I think, you know, the main thing for me was developing skills that weren't just kind of like in the workplace, someone points you in a direction and says, I need you to do this, but having to think for yourself and, and kind of learn skills outside of, you know, essentially spreadsheets and, and PowerPoint, um, was, was very helpful. So yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of kind of downsides as well to the e-commerce model that I kind of realized as I was looking at these ventures. But I think giving you the confidence and the skill set were, were the kind of main things that I, I took from that. How Does deep that make did you sense? go in, in? Yeah, it makes sense. But how deep did you go into e-commerce? Um, there's sort of different sort of degrees. There's drop shipping. There's actually even affiliate marketing, drop shipping, and then you start to fulfill like white label products, and then you start to sort of R and D your own products. So it's, it's a it's a wide spectrum. So how far did you go into 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 commerce at the time? Yeah, um, so I kind of started at the easier end of the spectrum. So I, I never did affiliates, but I started drop shipping. So that was my kind of introduction. Um, did that and then eventually I think drop shipping is great to test. So once I'd kind of, you know, tested and scaled the business to some degree of success, then I, you know, went and bought inventory just because of the the kind of problems that arise from drop shipping. Um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, there, there's quite a lot of issues and that there certainly was, you know, massive time delays when I was mm -hmm. doing this like five years ago now. Um, so it's a great place to get started. But yeah, transition to to kind of building a brand um, pretty quickly um, and, and bought stock. Mm. And, and I guess for me, when, when I got into dropshipping, the reality that I could create demand on the one hand that sort of translated into conversions like sales was, was mind blowing for me. And it just opened up 
a plethora of opportunities for yeah. me. And that's when I started my Facebook agency. That's when I started to consult okay. from, from a Facebook standpoint. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just quite interesting to see that transition. It's quite similar, but you went into email. Why email? Because typically in, in a dropship model, the key driver for growth is your ability to acquire yeah. customers, whether yeah. it's Google, Facebook. You don't really care about the second purchase, which is the the Achilles heel of of dropshipping. So, I'm, I'm just curious to know how you made that decision, that conscious decision, because yeah. you, you wouldn't have been doing email marketing very often. It, so it, it's kind of weird. I'm, I feel like quite a lot of changes of my life often come from mistakes. So we essentially tried to, so we had one SKU initially on the store. Um, and then the kind of next brainwave was, you know, we can boost lifetime value by creating new products. Um, mm. And we started selling those before the stock had landed. So it was kind of, that That was how I got into email. So we collected all of the email addresses. We had a, a you know, kind of back in stock flow set up when that product did land. Um, and that was kind of how I got introduced to email. And then fast forward a few months from that, email was driving pretty consistently 40 to 50% of our revenue. So mm. yes, initially at the kind of drop shipping phase, I was not doing any email whatsoever. It was all just, you know, cheap Facebook ads to landing page um, and, and Bob's your uncle. But when we bought stock, we had a stock issue, um, got introduced to email. And then it was just kind of this magical channel where if we didn't have it, the business would have essentially failed. Um, so it kind of, yeah, saved my bacon. And at that time as well, no one else was was using email. Um, so I just kind of doubled down on it, you know, helped a few friends out with their businesses. And it's, yeah, kind of grown from there. 40 to 50% of revenue, that, that, that's impressive. And what was the data set you were dealing with? How, 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 how big was your, your, um, your, your email list at the time? It was pretty small. Um, so I, when we started that kind of um, back in stock feature, it was you know a couple of hundred people, um, and then we got you know a few thousand people on that list for the the kind of when the product lands, they wanted to be notified. Um, and yeah, the, the the business was doing kind of multiple five figures a month, so it wasn't huge. Like I had plenty of friends at the time that were you know ten xing what I was doing, but it was a, a very sizable amount, and then you know a sizable chunk of that that was coming from email. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing that with the help, with, with you helping your friends, you thought, you know, why don't I commercialize and monetize this as a service? I could render to this huge demand to several, you know, other um, e-commerce businesses. Is, is exactly. that how OHM was? was um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, okay. That's a story. So started with friends and then, you know, started charging people. Um, and it was initially, it grew via word of mouth and we weren't doing much marketing, but that has, you know, definitely changed now as the the kind of landscape has evolved and you know, there's a lot more competition now. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I've I've taken some notes because I want to speak to to, to other points um, a bit later. All right. Um so so that gives me a really, really good understanding of your background. Um let's segue into email marketing. So yep. what services do, does does your agency OHM actually, you know, render? It's actually open house media for, yep. for those right. who, who who want to, you know, know what it means. And it's openhousemedia.club, your your email, your your website, sorry. Um so 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 what what top level services or value do you offer um the commerce um industry? So it is the full stack of retention. So we just call it an email agency because that's a bit simpler, but it's, it's email, SMS, and then, you know, kind of loyalty schemes and, and direct mail on, on the real back end. Um, but email is the kind of predominant driver of revenue and the predominant service that we, we kind of offer. Super interesting. I, I don't talk very often on loyalty programs and direct mail. So it'd be really nice to stack everything up in this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Right, cool. So, so your full service retention agency really when when we think about it that way, which yeah. which makes sense. So, just looking at the, the the options, you know, those four pillars in in with with what you do, the services you you render. Mm -hmm. What are like the fundamental first principles or truths, like entrepreneurs, operators, executives listening to this podcast should take away 
from retention marketing? Um, what were the real building blocks in retention marketing? It's a good question. Um, and I think my first point is that acquisition, it doesn't need to be fully solved, but the business should have a good handle on acquisition before it starts to think about retention. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of people that kind of, you know, book in to speak with us at the start of our kind of sales process, they don't have that taken care of. So a lot of times, the first thing that we're doing is kind of introducing them to, to content agencies or to, to media buying agencies to help out with that. Because the, the way I look at things is retention is the kind of bolt on to the business. It's, it's not the kind of rocket ship that's going to drive growth. Yes, it can make what you're doing you know, more profitable. It can drive more sales. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird response. But I think the first thing is, is make sure that you have acquisition dialed in or a clear roadmap to that. Um, so I'd say, yeah, that's kind of point one. And then point two is thinking about how we're going to convert people that are kind of on the fence. So I look at email is, is the direct line to not just your customers, but people that are, you know, interested in what you're doing, but need more information. So we're capturing their, you know, contact info and we're marketing to them on the back end. That's the, the kind of second key principle. And then I think third is is driving that LTV. So, you know, if you've paid Facebook, you've paid TikTok, you've paid whatever channel to acquire the customer, it's then thinking about, you know, how can we get more out of that on the back end without having to go and spend, you know, $20, $50 to go and acquire someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just thinking about all the kind of different strategies and channels within that, which are obviously, you know, dependent on the business model, the product and, and the kind of customer life cycle. So there's a lot that goes into it, but those are the kind of main building blocks, I'd say. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. So if you have been following my journey here on this podcast, you'll know that I'm a co-founder at Octelian, a consolidator of digital first good for you CPG brands. We acquire CPG brands with the view of scaling them up. We currently have a portfolio of three brands, all powered by commerce platform Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage startup entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control in every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin shits from Shopify's in-person POS or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. I remember the first brand we acquired was running on another platform with quite poor conversions. We made it a point of duty to get it migrated over to Shopify and our checkout conversions literally doubled. What I love about Shopify is its ease of use. I don't think there's any other e-commerce platform that beats its usability. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify's truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brook Linen, millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24 help is there to support your success every step of the way this is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash e-commerce X2, all lowercase. That is go to shopify.com slash e-commerce X2 to take your business to the next level today. That is shopify.com slash e-commerce X2. Hey 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for our e-commerce brands. It's called Tread. 
Tread first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tread can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part? Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team, Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tread is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tread a try. Visit their website on treyd.io. That's treyd.io to learn more and get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. So, so dialing your acquisition, you, you, you know your CPA, you know the channels that work, keep them working. So you're building that base. And then um, while you're acquiring, make sure you have um, a means of capturing customer data, mm-hmm. um, whether it's email, SMS, what have you. And then, um, you know, finally, the, the LTV element, which is what, you know, having some sort of measure of the value of, of each customer and trying to maximize it. Exactly. Longer term. That makes, makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you, should we delve into the, the last bit LTV because acquisition, we don't really want to talk about, you know, acquisition yeah. per se. Um, and yeah, email. Let's start out with email capture. Actually, email email capture. Okay. And how 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 do you? What what are good conversion rates for for email capture in in your opinion? And um and and where does like SMS capture sort of sit into into the mix? Mm-hmm. Given what SMS is um in into in 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 just today really. Yeah. Um. So we we are an email first agency. So. Some people may disagree with this, but I would always go after capturing the email address first because I think it's more valuable in the long term. Um, so in terms of how do we capture that, so typically it's a lead magnet. So we're offering some kind of incentive to the person, um, and we're trying to do two things. So yes, we want that conversion rate as, as, as high as possible, but we also want to kind of minimize impact on margin. So a lot of businesses, you know, especially historically, would just throw up a capture form 20% off for your email address. Well, can we do something else? Can we maybe you know, enter here for a giveaway? That would be a lot less expensive for the business. Um, things like cashback are also kind of coming into play more. And what we're trying to do with these kind of angles is, is lower that margin impact. So we don't just want to give out free money to everyone, especially if they may already have purchased from you without that and come onto your list eventually. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of, you know, lead magnets is, is the main one. Think about the offer that you put into that lead magnet um, and then try and be smart about it. So can you do things like co-promote other complementary brands? Can you share um, email lists with influencers? Is there any other kind of ad tactics that you can run maybe to quizzes to get people to opt in without giving up kind of margin right off the bat? So it's, it's kind of partnerships, lead magnets. Um, 
and and those are I would say are the the two kind of main ones for email, and then yeah. SMS is just an addition to that. So I like to go with a, a two step lead magnet. Step one is is the kind of email. Step two is is the SMS, um, and then other things like you know um, inserts in packaging, QR codes, pop up events. If you've got you know a real world presence. Um, and things like that to to kind of grow the the SMS list once you've you've taken care of the the kind of email side. Email, so you acquire email, and, and then you you fall back on SMS. You did mention partnerships with Instagram email, sharing sharing an email with, with your email list with 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 Insta, with with um, influencers. How how does that work? I, was, I I've not heard that before. Um, so it's it's similar. So if you can find like a, a brand that sells a complementary product or an influencer that serves your market, they typically mm-hmm. will have an email list if they're of a decent size. So what mm-hmm. we're doing is we're essentially um, co-promoting each other to that list. So you're just telling people, you know, not to buy the product, but if you're interested in what this business or what this person has to offer, go and check mm-hmm. out this page and you're directing the traffic to, you know, uh, an opt-in page um, mm-hmm. where someone would kind of sign up for more information. And then mm-hmm. typically you'd have a custom welcome flow built off of mm-hmm. that to kind of explain more about the business, why maybe you're partnering with that influencer, um, you know, PR about the brand, bestsellers, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know, as much as I don't like the information marketing space in general, because most most of what they offer really are um, sleazy. Um, what they do really well is just landing pages for yeah. you know um, they design landing pages really well and they they understand that okay because we're selling a high t- most most often times because they're selling a, a high ticket you know um, item they'd either optimize that landing page to to for for email capture or for like a a just a a low AOV order mm-hmm. say you know, $5 or $15 or $30 introductory, you know, sort of ebook type offer um, that gets people into a flow and a funnel that eventually leads them up to to, to purchasing higher ticket items, which which yeah. is clever. I haven't seen that done much in e-commerce, and I'm just curious to know your thoughts on, on that. And t- even if it's like a landing page geared towards like email capture, that's very valuable from a content from an educational standpoint mm-hmm. um are you seeing that is that a tactic or do you just do you just use the the opt-in um you know um pop-ups or um you know pop you know, slide 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 out or slide in to mm-hmm. call them no i think that's 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 a really good question and i think i've certainly learned a lot from the info product world and i think their funnels are 10 times better than the standard kind of d2c e-commerce business um, and I think, yeah, over time, we've seen the evolution of e-commerce into that direction um, with things like, you know, custom advertorials that are the landing pages, you know, yeah. from a, a simple Facebook ad. That kind of process of a, of a, of a custom landing page and, and, you know, getting more information for people, maybe sending them to a quiz. I think that's taking on more, more of a role, especially with, with ad costs rising. And I think it's just, yeah, the e-commerce space is, is having to play catch up to an info product industry that's already kind of had most of these problems. Um, and I think even the sense of, you know, content, where we're, where we're at with content in the, the e-commerce space today has been something where the info product, the influencer guys who are selling maybe certain sleazy types of products, I think those guys are ahead of the curve and they're better marketers. Um, so I, I do think, yeah, we're, we're kind of, following them if you will um and we do like to emulate a lot of their kind of funnel strategies because i, I do think it works better than the, the kind of standard um you know e-commerce practice which is add adding page checkout yeah 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 i just took a note on custom <coughs> advertorials because um it's it was it was something I we really wanted to explore um, like last year, but we just haven't had the time. And so thanks for, for, remind, for reminding me. It's, yeah, it is, it is, <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Okay, so coming into like, you know, all four things you do, how, mm-hmm. where do you spend 80%, where do you spend 80% of your time? Um, email, SMS, loyalty programs, you know, and, uh, or just LTV, um, you know, maximization? I'd say email. Um, 
email will still drive the most revenue for most of these businesses at the kind of most cost-effective manner. Um, SMS is is super expensive. Yes, it does work, but it's it's less frequent and it's more expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Loyalty programs and the, the kind of other LTV strategies are firstly for bigger brands. So a lot of businesses that we work with are just not in a position to start activating those channels. Um, mm-hmm. And secondly, they're kind of add-ons. Um, yeah, so e- email will be the main driver for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's jump jump into email. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on like email design? Um, like being on brand. So, so in in D two C, it's it's all about brand, right? Yeah. It's but some some people think it's all about like the visual assets of brand rather than the emotions of brand. Mm-hmm. So, what do you expect? What how do you sort of extract that emotional soul from a brand perspective from your client to express it in email because you're mm. one-to-one now this is like hand-to-hand combat even though it's you know you're, you're sending to you know to, to many people one to many really everybody's receiving it like you're speaking directly to them so, so yeah. how do you sort of capture two things two layers of brand the the soul <laughs> the tone of voice and you know the emotions they're trying to evoke one and and then style you know the stylization um oh, yeah it's tough curious to know yeah. yeah for sure and i think you you've captured it there's there's multiple aspects right so you've got to get the kind of you know on brand nature across if it's a certain type of business so typically if, if it's a fashion brand if it's influencer led you know it's businesses like that we want to be more visual on the other end of the spectrum, you've got things like supplement brands, which are more kind of copy focused um, because there's more of a kind of story to tell via words. So I think, yeah, the first point is it depends on the type of brand and the industry, which kind of route you go down in terms of, you know, more visually appealing, more on brand um, graphically versus, you know, a, maybe a plain text email for a supplement business. So that's kind of step one is is analyzing the business and the audience step two is is then testing so it's always the answer that everyone doesn't like to hear but how you're going to get the best results is is testing everything so we would start out typically most of our stuff is 80 percent branded 20 percent kind of more copy focused but we also work in the info product and in the SaaS spaces where that's kind of flipped on its head so Typically, yeah, kind of info product businesses in the fitness space are very copy focused. There's a mm-hmm. lot of kind of direct response in there um, because sometimes the product is is just it needs that right. Um, but how do we get up to speed and, and and how do we kind of learn what to do? Um, so email is just another channel, right? So it's it's a reflection of the wider business. So we don't want to be doing stuff via email that doesn't sync up with you know Instagram with ads with the other kind of strategies. So our first step mm-hmm. is to look at what is going on in those channels, see what's working, and then we're replicating a version of that via email, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes, makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense. From how do you balance out like something that's like a, an email that's heavily um, swaying towards the graphic or visual um, you know, um, end of the spectrum and, and then email deliverability. Um, um it's tough. Um, the, the, the kind of honest answer is that if you're sending those kind of graphic emails, you are just going to land in the inbox less. So typically we would carve out the, the most engaged segments and we would send those graphic emails to them because you've got the highest possible chance of inboxing. Um, we also compress our images. And there's a few other kind of little hacks that we can do to kind of try and inbox more. But really, it's just Mm -hmm. focusing on on engage people. And then when you send to the wider list at, you know, Black Friday at a product drop, that's when we would mix in more of the kind of plain text stuff, even if it's, you know, a a visual kind of brand. Um, So, yeah, we're we're also doing other stuff to to test and, and improve deliverability. But it's kind of finessing around the edges. It's it's not really going to change much of the performance. Hmm. Hmm. Then you talked a lot on 
sort of strategies for different kinds of businesses. You know, uh, you, you're talking about, um, you know, health and fitness or supplements is very, very copy, you know, um, copy driven. Yeah. Um, given the fact that you, you know, you're controlling email, um, what do you do about landing pages? Do you take them straight to to product pages or custom landing pages? Is, is, is that too much work? Um, what? How do you sort of balance things out to to to, to maximize um, you know the your throughputs without um, you yeah. know overstretching from from an input standpoint, particularly with with just that synchronization of copy and the in, in email mm. to to landing page um, offer? It's tough. Um- in an ideal world, obviously, we'd have the capacity to always have a custom landing page, but we don't. So sometimes we'll help customers with with landing pages, but typically we're either working with another agency that is is in control of that, or we're asking the brand owner to do things, and we've got to be mindful of their resource. So often it's it's unfortunately just you know product page, collection page, or or just site in, in kind of that order of of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for sure. Look, when we have a new product launch or you know a big event for the business, they will have a custom landing page, and we'll see yeah the, the massive improvement in in kind of ultimately revenue driven, right? So yeah, it, it's kind of a, a difficult situation because there's a lot of mm. a lot of variables to balance in in these situations. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so. Two questions here. Um, if we're, uh, the brand owner is listening to this podcast and they're struggling to to essentially make cross the hundred k per month level, the D to C predominantly, um, what tips do you have for for them um, from an email marketing standpoint to to really push through and sustain? The hundred k a month mm-hmm. in, in revenue, which should be you know with an AOV of um, say one hundred, just to keep it would be about a thousand orders, you know, yep. a, a month. Um. So typically, look below a hundred k per month, we wouldn't necessarily recommend hiring an agency hmm. because the focus kind of rewinding a bit what i said before the focus should be on acquisition so get to our kind of 100k a month and then look at agencies um, and they should just improve what you're doing pre 100k a month there's a couple of kind of major focus areas the main one being converting that excess front-end traffic so you want to have there's probably five pre-purchase flows that you should have so going from you know all the way down that funnel from welcome site abandoned browse cart and checkout abandoned you want to have those dialed. Um, and what that means is as personalized as possible. So if you have one SKU, great. You don't need to personalize them. But if you have, you know, you're a fashion business and you've got six different product categories from bags to shoes to, to purses, you want to have separate flows and, and therefore essentially separate funnels for those people. So you'll have different lead magnets for those kind of different categories. And then you've then got personalized content going to people based on you know the products that they've been kind of looking at so that that's kind of the most important thing is is using email initially to just drive as much of that you know let's say facebook ad traffic to convert as possible so that's kind of step one and then it's just you know after that again it depends on the business but let's stick with the kind of you know the fashion brand example after that purchase you want to drive that second purchase as quickly as it makes sense for your business so that would be the kind of second aspect. Yes, with you know flows, but then the kind of campaigns. And again, it's all about personalization. So following up with people based on where they are in the funnel, right? And sending campaigns to those segments that are specific to them. So you're sending, you know, to the top of funnel traffic, you're sending more kind of engagements focused stuff. And then towards the bottom of the funnel, you're focused more on conversions. So social proof, mm-hmm. PR examples of looks you know celebrities wearing the brand things like that whereas you know at the top of the funnel it, it's more kind of generalized content does that mm. answer the the kind of question absolutely 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 okay. it, it it makes it makes it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense so you're 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 really honing in on personalization on tailoring the messaging to the 
behaviors. You're, you're judging people by what they've done, not what they say. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're funneling them, them to the right aisle, essentially content aisle or, or flows that speak to their preferences, you know, in, in depending on how complex your, your offering is, which, which, which makes a, a, a lot of sense. So you're saying that, um, do it yourself essentially with what, what were the three pre-purchase, um, flows you, you I, mentioned? I, I can correct that. So I, I don't mean do it yourself. What, what I may, mm-hmm. what may be a better solution, because I know, you know, these guys are resource constrained, hire an mm-hmm. agency to come in and kind of get you set up. Don't, don't have a kind of retained agency who's, you know, charging five dollars per month kind of thing, because then the value you're getting is, is not kind of, in, in my eyes, that, that's not relevant. So, you know, maybe pay them a one-off fee to kind of come in, get those flows set up, and then hand it over to, to either yourself, you know, someone that can optimize and improve what they've done um, and, and can build and send campaigns, essentially sets up the system so to yeah. speak okay makes sense makes sense makes sense and then what are the three flows you said again so it's it's, it's the welcome flow so welcome yeah getting people from that you know lead magnet into the welcome flow and then we've got site browse cart and checkout abandoned so it's everything up to that kind of point of purchase that's what you want to have dialed in initially got it got it thank you thank you thank you and then what about like um, e-commerce, you know, brands at the two fifty five hundred, you know, per month? They're they're two fifty. They're trying to get to five hundred k, you know, per month. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that acquisition has been dialed in. Um, you know, they they have a decent retention flow, but let's say email marketing is only accounting for 25% of revenue. Is that a red flag? Is that opportunity? Does that spell opportunity for you with, with that sort of setup? Yeah. So look, typically, and, and this is you know thrown around a lot, but typically 30 to 50% of revenue should come from email. Now that does depend on the product and the sector. So you know, one product store, let's say selling prams, right? If they just sell prams, you're not going to get a second purchase off of that kind of customer base if you think that the kind of traditional way of e-commerce. Now, there mm-hmm. are things that you can do there, and I'll come on to that in a second. But typically, you know, a store that's, like I said, fashion brand, mid-sized price point is going to do towards the 50%. And then lower down, you're going to have, you know, one product store, a drop shipping business, something like that. So yeah, that, that will kind of impact the performance. But you know, if, if we're looking, if we're coming into an apparel business that's got 25% of revenue coming from email, that's massive opportunity. So yes, it's focused on the, that kind of revenue side of things. So building out, improving the flows, adding more customization. So where before I said, you know, you should have different flows or different segments of the flows based on the mm-hmm. product categories. Maybe you go more niche than that. Maybe you go you know, product-specific flows um, for top five sellers in the business. So you're really mm-hmm. focused on squeezing the extra juice on the front end. And then on mm-hmm. the back end, it's just adding more complexity. So are there apps that you can integrate to kind of predict when that customer is more likely to, to purchase again? Yes. So mm. kind of integrate those apps and get that sorted out. You know, then it's focusing on the win back. And it's not just kind of as basic as before. So whereas, you know, before maybe you'd have a post-purchase flow that is first time and repeat. Maybe you then focus on a separate VIP segment of people um, and you're adding different offers to them. So really, it's just about complexity at that stage. The volume mm-hmm. on the campaign side obviously increases. You send to, to more segments and you send more often to the most engaged ones there. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the revenue focused. But back to what I, I said at the start is there's also other things that you can use email for. So can you collect UGC to then put into your Facebook ads? Yes, you should do that. Is there other things that you can do? Like if we look at the Pram example, can you set up a referral scheme? You know, mums all know other mums, so they should be selling your business and getting, you know, getting a cut. They should be affiliating mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. you can all set up via email. And it's, it's at that stage, you know, I wouldn't say if you're doing 50K a month, you should be thinking about building out that referral scheme. But now you've kind of got your head above the water. You've dialed in, you know, one ad channel. This is when you start to add this kind of complexity and these kind of other aspects to to email. Mm-hmm. 
Solid, solid stuff, solid stuff. Yeah, I, I, I like that. You you mentioned you like, you know, five K month to an agency, you know, not essentially returning for, you know, businesses that 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 are, you know, still not yet, you know, hitting hundred K, hundred and fifty K. For businesses paying agencies five K a month, what value are they getting off the back of of those you know fees? What what what's the agency doing on a regular basis? We, we know they do campaigns, but besides the campaigns, where, where's the further optimization? You know, going you, it's, does it go into all of that sophisticated you know segmentation, segmentation driven you know flows you're talking about? And mm-hmm. where, how how would you sort of justify? So people who are paying their agencies listening to this now kind of say, okay, um, these they've checked all boxes or, or not. To, to be honest, so our, our biggest kind of source of new business is people that are unhappy with their current agency. So typically that's kind of, you know, mistakes in work. So copy incorrect, send time wrong or send day wrong. The, the other thing is price. So I think a lot of these agencies are just charging way too much and not delivering that service. So yes, you know, if if you're paying, you know, high four figures or even five figures a month to an email agency, they should be doing everything you just said. They should be A/B testing, you know, sending all the campaigns, improving, building all the flows, optimizing. They're often not. So that that is where I see the problem is. The the other problem is if they are doing that, Typically, it, it may be kind of effort wasted for a smaller brand because they don't have enough traffic going into those flows to warrant, let's say, A-B testing on a win-back flow. Um, so that that's kind of the, the, the main problems is often, you know, they shouldn't be working with agencies at that level who are charging that much and doing what, you know, if they are doing what they say. The other issue is they're, they're often not. Um, and... Yeah, that like I said, our biggest kind of source of new business is is people not happy with their current agency. So it's a massive problem in the industry, and I think mm. also for a lot of agencies, not just email agencies. Yeah, because you start to just wonder what 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 are they doing really? What you know what were they up to? They've set a lot of the, is this a set it and forget it? Yeah, and you know um, they only sort of get into our campaign when we're doing uh, when they, when we're doing campaigns. Excuse me, please. Yeah. <clears throat> Or, um, you know, when they're trying to generate reports and you're, you're just wondering, but, but that's, that's interesting. Um, really, really cognizant of your time. And I just want us to touch very base quite quickly on loyalty programs. Cause you said that's, um, one of the things you, so it's rather one of the pillars of, of retention, you know, um, brands really should be looking at. So do you, do you want to speak to just, um, you know, first principles of, of, of loyalty programs and, and why they're so important in the mix of, of retention? Yeah. Um, so I think a couple of caveats first. One, again, you know, talking about volume, this isn't something you should be thinking about if you're doing 100K a month. Typically, it's, you know, 300K a month plus is, is when you should think about adding that. Two is it's the type of product that you're selling as well. So if you're, you know, a subscription business, if you're a ladies skincare business that will lend Mm. itself more to loyalty programs so Mm. that's that's probably the first point the second point i'd make is try to keep it as simple as possible so i've Mm. seen some brands before they have you know a physical store and they have a separate loyalty scheme for that store they then have a separate app where they run their kind of like online loyalty program and then when they retail into other businesses they have a whole separate program for that that is super confusing and you've got to think about things from a, a kind of end user or customer standpoint. They should not have three loyalty programs just to shop with you. It should be very simple, very straightforward and very clear to them what the kind of incentives or the benefits to them are. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say that's the kind of point too is, is keep the customer in mind and, and simplify what you're doing. Um, and yeah, three is just just make sure you're thinking through um, exactly the benefits that you, you're offering and, and that they make sense for your business because oftentimes they don't and some businesses are in fact almost giving up more you know, for these, these loyalty programs than they would spend on acquiring a new customer, which clearly doesn't make sense. So it's just, yeah, kind of thinking things through on the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, 
from a tech stack standpoint, um, what were your favorite loyalty apps? Um, loyalty line, I'd say, is my my kind of number one. Um, Why? It integrates with a lot of lot of the kind of different platforms that we use, um, and most of the other ones that we've tried, they don't. So yeah, that that would be my kind of number one. And there's no clear number two. Okay. And from an email SMS standpoint, what 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 um what what, what platforms do you tend to gravitate towards? Um, so it depends on the sector. So, you know, we do an increasing amount of stuff with info products and SaaS businesses. Um, mm-hmm. and for those guys, I'd say it's more kind of open for e-commerce. You know, obviously historically it's it's been Clavio has been the number one. Um, that is starting mm-hmm. to change and the landscape is evolving. I think Clavio have not got lazy, but I think, you know, in the past two years or so, I'd say they've stopped or slowed their kind of rate of, of, of evolution. Um, so the kind of new kid on the block that's starting to take some of their lunch is, is Sendlane. So we've started working more and more with those guys. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'd, say, I'd say those were the top two. And then there's a very large gap between kind of everyone else in the market. What's your take on on um, on looping on like dedicated SMS, um, you know, services like attention or Postscript versus um, an all-in-one? Um, I think it depends on the size of your business. For most businesses, it's probably better to keep things simple and have everything in kind of one platform. Um, so that that's what we recommend for most of the people that we work with. Incredible, interesting, interesting, interesting. Right. Um, do you think I haven't asked you any other questions? I, I think um, I think I have, but but is there anything you, you think I should ask you? No, um, I think you've covered most of it, right? Um, we've covered, you know, the benefits of email. How you know the pitfalls of hiring agencies, of which I think that there's there's quite a few, and I think you know overall it's been a good chat. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, for people who want to find out more about what you guys do in Open House Media, it's it's, it's just to go to openhousemedia.club. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, are you active on on any social media platforms yourself? Um, I, I'm trying to be more active. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd say, yeah, that, those are the kind of main two. Um, but yeah, trying to be more active. We'll share your handles in the show notes. Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed this one, speaking to retention markets and first principles. Nice one, but... Really appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. Cheers. 